have been made for a purpose and given specific gifts to accomplish your mission. This is Requip, and I am Scott Schneiderman. Stay tuned to gain insights to prepare, equip, and empower you to do the work of ministry. What are those areas that we get twisted, that we get mixed up, that we get off course? And how do you decipher a good message from one you need to stay away from? That's what we're going to get into, and I want to welcome you. And if you haven't yet subscribed, go ahead and hit that subscribe button and share this with anyone you think might be blessed by it. We're going to get into talking about how to get into and decipher what's a good message. I've had people ask me that, and we've kind of been getting into that, and people have have said, you know, what are some good things to listen to? What are some things that I need to stay away from? What's your advice on that? You know, I'm not going to call people out by names, and honestly, it wouldn't be fair to, and I wouldn't really know because I don't listen to a whole bunch of different voices. There's a few things I do listen to, uh, but I would rather teach you some principles. I'd rather teach you some things that I've learned that that you can implement. And maybe if you're a teacher, we have a lot of pastors and teachers and leaders that listen to this. But uh, if you're just looking for uh, a pastor or a podcast or um, some sort of teaching series or whatever, I want to give you some principles that maybe you can take with you and pass on to someone else. And also just so you can know, I was just talking to someone today about a teacher and and being a teacher and a pastor. And um, I was saying, you know, I am so thankful that uh, God didn't give me a platform or kind of a widespread audience in any kind of way 10 years ago or, you know, 15 years ago. Um, I'm just so thankful because what often happens, and this is why it's so important to get this right, to listen to the right things, because what happens is, you know, you're you're a baby. You're a new creation when you first uh, believe and, and really have that rebirth experience, or maybe you've really just started to get serious about, man, I just want to, I want to learn more. I want to start to uh, live out my, my giftings and really do the work of ministry. One of the things we always talk about around here to, and be prepared for action and go out and do those things. Well, you typically, you start have a thirst for learning and want to know, you know, who God is and what does he want and how to serve and, and how to love, you know, how does he want to be loved? But what I've noticed is, and as I was talking with my friend was that there's a point in your life where you're just learning a new thing each time. And you, you only kind of learn part of it because that's just how learning works. You, you don't just know everything about everything right away and get the whole context, the whole picture, how to employ it, what's the deeper meaning, and then that shapes you know, how you believe about that particular topic or passage or teaching. There's a period in my life where it was kind of like, man, the, the new thing, as soon as I learned it, I'm employing that. And uh, I think there's some good in that. Individual practices, that is good. Because it means you're just faithful with the information you have. And, you know, that's one of the things I tell people a lot is that God uh, will judge you in a good way. You know, he, he's He's watching over you and he's going to uh, hold you accountable in a good way to the things you know and not the things you don't yet know. 
So you can only do the things that you know to do. And sometimes you're off course. You know, you're like a child or like a baby or like an adolescent or like a young adult. You know, wherever you are in your spiritual journey, you're only at that level and you'll make mistakes that correspond with that level. But there was a time where it was like yeah, everything I knew and, and then that was, okay, no, this is the truth and I'm going to live by this. But I'm so thankful that uh, I wasn't in a position really to teach much at that time because, you know, I have changed on things. I've had a gr- greater understanding on things and and I've been able to um, live out my life in a more, I think, you know, and, and hopefully I'm keep, keep growing, but I think learning to uh, walk closer to Christ uh, than I did 15 years ago. And it should be that way. Um, but sometimes people have a platform too soon. Um, you know, in this, it means they're well-meaning, but their platform is too soon. Not necessarily too young. I'm not talking about age. I'm talking about um, spiritual maturity. And that has nothing to do with age, but it has to do with our understanding and how we follow and how we read and understand God's word and and since the Spirit's leading and all those things. But it's it's different. So it's important. This is so important to know that. You know, um, I'm not the standard though. So so we need to go to the standard. We need to go to God's word and see you know, what are some kinds of messages that the church, individual people in the churches should listen to and should um, sit in a message, or maybe it's your pastor, you're physically there. So that's what we need to do. We need to go right there. And and I thought of one of the best places, there's probably tons of places you could pull from, but but I'm thinking about 2 Timothy chapter 3, 15 through 17. And we we might know this verse. This this is a very well-known verse. And it says, and how from infancy, you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching and rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Very popular passage. A lot of times we think of that in terms of this is, uh, the scriptures are from God. They're inerrant. They are God-breathed. They are inspired. But this passage, remember, it's always important not to just read verses, but read passages, read complete thoughts that the author is inspired to give. So Paul is a guy in the first century that was radically changed, had an encounter with Jesus, physically saw Jesus. But before he went out and taught a lot of things, he went back to Peter, James, John, and learned from them and confirmed, are these things that I believe are true? Are they true? So he went back and learned those things. And he's writing to Timothy. Timothy is a pastor of the church in Colossae where we get the Colossian church who also writes some letters specifically to them. But here he's writing a letter to a pastor. He's writing a letter to a person 
And he's trying to tell him, this is how you use God's word. So this can help us. We're almost getting behind the scenes of pastoral training. Paul is teaching, this is how you be a pastor in teaching. This is what you use the scriptures for. This is what the scriptures are. This is how you use it. And for this reason, and it can do these things. So that can help us learn, okay, then if I'm listening to someone, some message, some teaching, it needs to include these things because these are some good principles. So the first thing he says, it's got to have the gospel. You need to have the gospel. It's got to teach you about salvation. And this is, the Bible talks about reconciliation. It should have some semblance of how God is taking these two things, humanity and God, and bringing them back together. It's got to have that. It's got to have the good news that Jesus dies on the cross for your sins and he rose again. And he conquered Satan, sin, and death. And it might not use all those same words in that exact same way, but it has that overall view. It's the gospel. It's got to have that. You need to have that. In, in the messages, it's got to have the overall story is God is reconciling people. It can be said a bunch of different ways, but it's got to have that. That's got to be a central focus and it's got to recognize sin. He's got to recognize the need for forgiveness outside of yourself and that Jesus' death and resurrection wiped away sin. And then following Jesus is the response to that amazing good news. So it's got to have sin. You know, sin is the fruit of rejecting God. It's not just a slip up. It's not just you made some mistakes. It's not just some behavior you need to modify. It's sin. It's rebellion. It is partnering with Satan. So many times we almost kind of feel like, oh, we need to have messages and we need to hear things. It's not so harsh and it's not so, it shouldn't be overly harsh but it should say the things that the Bible says, that God's word, that God himself says about sin for, for the gospel to matter, for the gospel to, to have the true view and the true weight that it's intended. And it's got to have some element of forgiveness. That forgiveness comes from God alone in that you are the one that wronged him. It has to. You're not just the victim. You're not, that's not the story. That's part of the story, but we've willingly given into that. And that Jesus is the one that rescues us and, and not just um, something that's only pragmatic. Like it's not just steps to a good life. It's not just living your best life now and 10 steps to be an amazing husband. And this is how you fix your marriage. Like those things are good, but ultimately, it needs to be centered around the cross. And then there needs to have an opportunity and an option and, you know, an open door to turn to Jesus and follow him. It's not just gathering information. And the next thing I think it teaches us in this passage that Paul is teaching Timothy 
is it needs to be from scripture. Like that almost seems obvious, but it has to be from scripture. Not all messages are that way. They're not. There's a different methods that are used. Um, Some are expository preaching or topical. These are just examples. And, And in fact, Jesus did both. He did, he did both of these. And, and I love um, how God's word shows us this and we can kind of learn from this. So there's not just one particular way, like doesn't have to be just expository or just topical. And expository just means you're reading through a passage and then you're spending most of the rest of your time explaining what that passage means. That's one way to do it. It's really good. It's really important to do. The other way is topical, meaning you start with a particular topic that you need to work on. You need to, um, that's one area that needs to be reconciled, joined back to the path that that Jesus has you on. Uh, Could be about marriage, could be about finances, it could be about a lot of things because God talks about a lot of topics like that, that you wouldn't necessarily get from expository in that particular area. You could, but this is just another way to do it. So one example, when Jesus was um, speaking expository was actually his first message, his first recorded teaching that he ever gave. And it was Luke chapter 4, 17 through 21. And he's come to the synagogue and he's He's going to be teaching. He's the first time that anybody's ever heard him. It's just, oh, he's just a carpenter's son. Like, no big deal. But he's now he's going to teach. He's going to, he's going to give some teaching. And it says, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. So he's just given, like, this is your passage. You're going to teach on this passage. You're going to read it and then explain what it means. You're not going to go off on some other tangent. You're not going to make up some topic. This is your passage. So it's handed to him and he he enrolls it and he found the place where it is written. He's only reading this, this particular passage. And he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, to Claim the year of the Lord's favor. And he began by saying to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled. Now, Jesus was handed this passage. He read it and he explained what Isaiah was actually saying. So Jesus was only explaining that particular passage. He gave the perfect explanation. Today, the scripture is fulfilled. Basically, Yeah, all that I'm saying here, all that this person will do, that's me. I'm going to do that. (laughs) Perfect, expository, simple, right to the point. This is what it is. And right after preaching that, Jesus gives expository preaching. (laughs) It's just so good. Right after that. And he shifted and he went to a topic. And the topic was, it was unstated, but it was, you reject God. Before his conclusion was, This passage is saying, I'm that person who is God. I am God. And then he switched to the topic. You're rejecting God. 
And then he says this, surely you will quote this proverb to me. And so he's pulling out a passage to support his conclusion. Physician, heal yourself. And you will tell me, he says, do here in your hometown what you've done in Capernaum. And then he explains it. Truly I tell you, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time. When the sky was shut for three and a half years, there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet, Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath, in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy at the time of Elijah, the prophet. Yet, not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman, the Syrian, all the people in the synagogue, were furious when they heard this. So right there, he starts off with expository preaching, gives an explanation. They were pretty happy with it. Right after that, he goes to the topic, you're rejecting me and I am God. And he explains why. And he pulls out all these verses from the scriptures, the Old Testament, and explains it. And then they are mad because then it causes them to do something different. It wasn't just information. Oh, okay, this is being fulfilled. Now it is, uh, it's a rebuke. You're, you're doing something wrong. You are rejecting that, which means you got to change something. And so that you see there where Jesus does two different ones. There's many other examples I could pull from, but those are two examples. But Jesus did both expository and topical. And most of what's recorded in the Bible is topical from Jesus. Um, So that's uh, what we can do. It can be either one. So those are good messages, but it needs to have, I think those elements as we're going to continue in 2 Timothy chapter 3, 15 through 17. And as we continue, the next thing, it needs to have focus on teaching, rebuking, correcting, and or training in righteousness. That's the key, in righteousness. So let's start there. What is in righteousness? It it can't be, you know, what it's not is just helping you achieve your goals, getting you a spouse or to have a better marriage or uh, landing you that dream job or helping you lose weight. (laughs) This might sound ridiculous, but all those things um, could be used and most likely have been used, but it's in righteousness. It's to make you more like Jesus. It's to make you represent Christ, where you're Christ ambassadors, the scriptures tell us. It's like we are being formed into his image, basically. We we are uh, beginning to look more like him. Like we are saved by grace, but then we're being molded to be more like him and to walk after him, to know the things that he loves. It's, it's like a regular relationship. If you're married out there and you're listening, when you're first married, you love them and you are legally married. You are uh, connected. You are, uh, you got the same name. You, you know, you live in the same house. You are married, but you got to learn that person. And the level of depth that you learn after you're married is way more than you learn before. It just always is. I mean, the, the way that I know and love my wife, Laura, now, after 
almost 18 years of marriage and 20 years of being with her totally was way more than our first day of marriage or our first date or uh, a year after marriage. I mean, it just continues to grow because we're learning how to love each other. We're learning what, what we like and what we don't like, and we're being more open and more vulnerable. Like those things only increase. So it needs to have that. It needs to be in righteousness. It needs to help you be more like Christ, to to love God more, to follow him more closely. And so just breaking them down needs to have teaching. Yeah, pretty obvious. It needs to teach you something. You need to learn something or be reminded of something. Some message or surrounded, or you know, and it sounds good, but what did it really do for you? Did, were you just entertained, or or did it did it teach you something? Did it give you some tools, some information you didn't have before, or maybe it reminded you of some? Oh yeah, that was so helpful because because here she said this, like, like that was so helpful. The next thing is it needs to have some re- rebuking. It needs to be. There needs to be some clear points where it is pointing out an area where you're off track. Because if you're not off track, you're not learning anything. You're not, it's not teaching you anything. Basically, it's not telling you the truth because we all have some area of our life that we need to get back on track. We need to um, stop going there. And the next thing is it needs to have some training. So rebuking is like you're off course and I'm, I'm getting you back on course, but it needs to have some training that leads you into something. And, and rebuking and correcting similar where it's, it's uh, calling something out in you, but then it's correcting you, getting you back where you need to be. And then training needs to have some training. Like this is some practical part that, that gives you something to implement. And it's not just information, it's not just entertaining, but it's giving you something to do. That is so important. It's giving you something to do. I had a boss years ago, actually in the military, and when I was in the intelligence field, and it was one of my first bosses, and it was I'm so thankful he was one of my first bosses because I would always, I would give a presentation or I'd put some information together that I've, I gathered, you know, this intelligence and then I'm, I'm putting it together and and saying what it means. And then he would say, so what? (laughs) He would just say, uh, give me the gouge. (laughs) That was one of those things. But basically he was saying, so what? Okay. Why? That's just information. So what do you recommend someone does? And that's what that's what we're looking for. That is something that tells you it's a good message. In the next verse, it says, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So this training here is then geared toward the ministry. If you've listened for any length of time, we are centered around that God ha- is is using teachers and pastors to equip the saints for ministry. If you put your faith in Jesus, you're a saint. The saint isn't just somebody that is in some monument somewhere or somebody that's in a painting or someone that did amazing things and gave all their money to the poor. A saint is anyone and everyone who's put their faith in Jesus because we've all been adopted into the family. And our family, you know what our family does? We're like Jesus. We serve. 
and we give and we love and we go beyond ourselves. That is the ministry. And primarily the ministry is to make disciples and and to teach them to obey, teach them to observe and to do the things that God has called you. So that is the ministry. So the training needs to be geared around that. It's got to help you do that. So kind of in closing, just a couple quick principles, and some of this is just an overview, but an overview of all the things is when you're thinking about, okay, I'm listening to this teacher, I'm listening to, and you can almost, let me just listen to one message, one sermon. Who's the hero? Who's the hero in that message? Is it sound like the pastor? Or maybe the church? Like, oh, the church is doing amazing things. The church is, or is it you? Are you, the, are you the one to conquer? Are you the one to do all these things? Are you, is it so pragmatic words? Yeah, you just got to do this. You got to just change your perspective. You, you got to do these things. You implement these things. If God is not the hero, you might like it. You probably will like it. Like I would enjoy it, but it's not a good message for your growth. It will do nothing for your spiritual growth. And that leads to the next overall principle is where does the strength come from to accomplish it? Whatever the message in there, whatever the conclusion is, is like, you should do this. Where does the strength come from? Who is the source? Is it you? Is it your own effort? Is it, is it you just working harder? Is it you just having enough faith? Or is it the pastor? Or are you basically reliant on the pastor? Like uh, you really can't do much. You just got to keep going back to that one person. You got to keep going and they become like this godlike figure. Is it the church? Is the strength come from the organization? Is it being tied to that? It almost sounds ridiculous saying it out loud, but this stuff happens. Or is it God? Like there's only those options. It's either those it's something else. Here's your options. It, the, the strength and the power to accomplish this is something else or it's God. That's it. That's it. So you need to find things where God is clearly, man, I got to rely on God. To, like, I can't do this. It, it's impossible to do this. That should be the conclusion. And then Jesus says, yeah, it is impossible with man, but with God, all things are possible. So the strength has to come from God and subtle. It is so subtle where it's basically your decision-making. It's basically your own ingenuity. It's basically really comes down to your effort. You're just, you're just working harder. It's subtle and it sounds spiritual, but really think and look deep. Who is accomplishing it and who's the hero? Those, those alone will help you so much. And then the last thing, and this primarily, if you're a teacher, I think this will help, but even if not, but does it give you the opportunity to count the costs? Meaning, does it help you reason and make a decision? Like actually make a decision. Okay, this is what I'm going to follow. Or does it lead with emotions and then try to get you to do something? That is so subtle that might be one of the, the most difficult things to decipher at times. You can see it from the outside, but, but it's when you're in it. Like some people are so influential. Some people are so good at this and our minds at times are so weak. Jesus wants us to count the cost. Like Jesus never did a bait and switch. 
He, he never just tied you in with emotions. He, he never confused you about what you were getting into. He was honest. That's why many times the disciples would come and, and other people, this is a hard teaching. And many left because Jesus led with, I, I want you to reason with this. I'm, I'm going to tell you the whole picture. This is, this is what it's going to cost. And ultimately, it'll make you rely on God and not those other things. He never gave a bait and switch. And then it's for the teachers out there, but this is something that's helped me that I've learned along the way to help structure teachings and sermons is by start with the head, then go to the heart, and then go to the hand. By that, I mean, start with something that's interesting, that's going to engage somebody's brain and where they can see the analogy. Maybe you're painting with a picture. There should be some true analogy that that connects with a spiritual truth that you'll get into that they understand. Then it needs to connect with their heart. Like emotions are good, but you can't lead with emotions. You can't. Emotions make a great co-pilot, but a horrible pilot. Just great co-pilot just help you along the way, but they shouldn't be navigating. They, they shouldn't be driving the plane, but they can help co-pilot. They're there for a reason. They, they help sense danger and they, they help uh, connect and give you passion for the things that you ought to be going for, but you can't lead with the heart because it's too easy to get off course. So to have some where it connects with emotions and then the hand then it causes you to do something. There should be an opportunity. Now, this is what you can do. This is how you can implement it. Thank you for listening to Requip Ministries. For more resources, check out our website at re-quip.org. Make sure you subscribe to get the next one. And as always, follow God's command to always be prepared for action.